saying show it's me a beautiful day. You have a no, no, even dumb people say smart You are I can't now can right now. Fuck out of my face. I'm too logical, non-religious answer. I'm a Dissertation of chalk talk. Play devil's advocate. Delayed gratification is more rewarding. So yes. the best things in our lives come from things that we work towards, either emotionally or physically exhausting to us, and then you get, achieve it, like the website. Yes. I was going to say the podcast in general, but Which granted, the a website. lot of our excitement initially was stamped out viciously by the Printify charges. I was still very happy. About it ruined it for me. It ruined it for you? It did. It did not ruin it for me in the least. It ruined it for me hardcore. I just... Because I, I, I sat there and spent 15 to 20 oh, yeah. minutes just frantically tapping as fast as I could trying to cancel orders. By the way... Prior the, to that, I had felt nothing but pure elation. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah, and then it was ruined. You're very good at that, giving me moments of pure joy and then stomping them out like I nothing. I didn't try to ruin it. I know. It wasn't your fault. I'm not blaming you. It's, but your presence, something about it. Yeah. <laughs> And my refund's not back yet. Um, so, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. For example, the Tom Segura thing. Yeah, you know, it was something that was we set up. We had something. We set it up. I we saved money for it. We waited for the date to come. We had pre-ordered our tickets, and that going there, experiencing it, and then coming back. I, it was like the best time of, part of my year, which I also assume is what this next month's going to be with Joey Diaz. It's like this planned thing. I set aside money for that so that I won't be able to live how I would like to right now. You know, I can't go get a hundred donuts every day, sadly. Yeah. But I put that money towards the Joey Diaz thing. And once we go, like I can ball out, I can have fun. I'll be in New York. I'll be seeing my favorite comedian. Like it's definitely worth it. And it's definitely way better than having a hundred donuts a day. Mm -hmm. It's that delayed gratification. Delayed gratification really is like when I ran that 5k, because that's what my running was for. I was just trying to run a 5K. And once I got up to actually being able to run a 5K, it was it was a great feeling. Because you know you've worked hard. No one can tell you you didn't work hard. Mm -hmm. You didn't give up. And you achieved something you didn't even slightly think was possible in the beginning. And people will often tell you not to do things simply because they wouldn't do it. And yeah. it makes them feel better about themselves if someone else is not achieving something else. That's true. I used to have a lot of friends like that. I like if other people are stagnant around you, then they're like, oh, you know. Yeah. We've talked about it before, like last year, where it's just like, oh, you don't have to, you know, sleep in today. Like, yep. don't don't get anything done. Like, oh, you need to work on this. Like, do it tomorrow. And if, like, you, if you have friends that let you do that shit, they're not great friends. No. And, and that's a reason why it's, and that's a reason why it's rooted in that, you know, selfishness where it's yeah. subconsciously or consciously, they just don't want other people to succeed because it makes them feel worthless. They feel as if they're fucking up. They feel as if they're the one that's not accomplishing anything if the people close to them are because they're like, essentially just, they're not doing the work. I will say- but To use that annoying statement. I will say, it's a reason I love you a lot because you don't really let me be a bitch. No. You will tell me directly that I am being a bitch and I do love it because we, a while ago, uh, I was not putting as much work in the pockets as I should have. And you weren't too direct, but you sent a message that was direct enough that I had to like sit back and text you and be like, hey man, you're right. I am being a little bitch. I'm not working on it as near as hard as you, nor as hard as I should be. It's doing this and this negatively. I need to do better. That's a good friend. Now, I also had friends that when I was working out running, I would text them and I'd have doubts because ah, like, yeah. I don't want to run today. It's a hundred degrees outside. Yeah. I didn't get and good running sleep. sucks. And running is horrid. Yeah. And they'd be like, well, don't run. Yeah. What kind of, like, I, I, I guess I see you think you're being nice by telling someone don't do what you don't want to do. But it's like, call me a little bitch. I've had that issue with cigarettes. Oh, where people just kept, told you just like they know I'm trying to quit and they're like oh like I, I'm like god fucking damn it I need a cigarette and they're like oh you want one here you go and I'm like 
I'm trying to quit. But I, yeah, but I just want to like, say that I want one yeah, because I gotta love it. those friends that will just enable you to continue failing. And then it's like you end up disappointed in yourself and they're like, oh, it's okay. It's like, yeah. bitch, you allowed it. Like, where's the accountability? Yeah, it's like, do not have friends like that. If you have friends like that, that they just yeah, let you, need you to, be. If you have friends like that, you need to reevaluate you do. real quick. Because they. Because it does, because they're not going to help you long term. No. By any means. No. We had this problem with one of my friends earlier in the year. Yeah. Multiple, I feel like. Yeah. And I was putting in way more effort than they were. And I kept doing it. And they would always be like, well, just, you know, stay here. Don't do it. And yeah. we're not really friends anymore. Yep. Speaking of old friends, I was pulling out of your neighborhood the other day. Mm. And I'm fairly certain. Very, very close to certain that Phil pulled into the neighborhood. What? Yeah. Phil. We made direct eye contact. As Christy we were, and Phil. Uh, yeah. As I was pull, pulling out to take a left here, he pulled in and we made direct eye contact. But I, I don't know if it was him. You think he's going to kill me? I don't know. Is that why he's here? Are you not the only one I have to be worried about murdering me? No, it's disturbing how much he looks just like me, though, you know? Phil? I don't yeah. think Phil looks anything like you. It was really weird. He was in a black Nissan too. I don't it think it was a Sentra. Phil. It was a Nissan Sentra. No, I don't know, man. Same glasses, same beard, the hat. Mm, the the hat's look. pretty damning. We made direct eye contact. I thought he lived on the other side of town. I don't know where he lives, dude. I haven't talked to him in a year. Fair enough. That'd be wild if they lived here. Yeah, it was just interesting. I didn't really have time to see where he even pulled into because I was just like, what the fuck? I will say, in defense of Phil, he wasn't one of the friends that we're talking about that let you get away with bad shit, at least in my experience. No, he was for me. Oh, he was? Yeah, of course. Oh, he wasn't for me. But then again, we weren't very close either. Yeah, he totally was for me. He was like, he wouldn't, I mean, sometimes he would push me. Sometimes. But most of the time, he wouldn't. And he'd just let you get away with shit without calling you a little bitch? Yeah. Oh. He'd be like, oh, it's okay. You were tired. Oh, yeah? You want to play video games? Okay, cool. Do that. Then. Do you do you view me as one of those people? No. You always hold me accountable. I, I call been, you... That's been our pact since, like, the yeah. very beginning. I call you a bitch when you're not being a bitch. Yeah, no. You're very cruel to me. <laughs> the audience should know that. Alex is extremely mean to me. He's very loving, but he's also extremely mercilessly cruel much of the time. Okay. I do want to say, maybe I'm an asshole. Okay. <laughs> maybe I'm a dick. I did have another friend tell me yesterday that I was a dick. Maybe I am. Because that does seem to be the general consensus. But I would like to say, number one, it's almost always a bit. And number two, I'm such a dick that when you see me being serious and I like congratulate you or say that you're doing a great job, it means more. I think it means more. You never say that. <laughs> I, I rarely say no, it, no, but I've, I know. I've said yeah, it. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> and you probably feel good about it. Well, yeah. you don't have feelings, but most people yeah. would feel good about it. Yeah, agreed. You're also pretty assholish, man. I learned from the best. That's true. I was definitely more of an asshole a year ago. We, mm -hmm. I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but to bring it back up, like a year ago, I was way more asshole. You were way more bitch. Yeah. And how the tables have turned, you have become an immense asshole. I know, and I'm, I mean, I'm only just starting. I know, top tier. Top tier right now. Good. Top 1%. Fuck yeah. Thank and you. You're welcome. And you've left me in the dust a little bit. Like I, I'm kind of surprised. I didn't think it was possible. Yeah. Well, because I'm more of a bitch, or sorry, I'm more of an asshole to you and my close friends. I'm an asshole to those close to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, fair, very important distinction there. I'm kind of a bitch to randos. I do need to work on that. I and I'm becoming more of an asshole to randos. Yes. And more of a bitch to my friends. Well, actually, no, I'm becoming more of an asshole to my friends, too. Yeah, I'm trying to be me, consistent across all planes. You tell me you're, there's a possibility <laughs> that you're going to gonna murder me daily. It's my new favorite bit. I don't think it's a bit. <laughs> who knows no no I'm just calling it a bit for the sake of the podcast the oh. audience doesn't need to know it's not a bit <laughs> oh, Jesus. this is getting edited out 
No, don't edit this. Who knows? I will listen to this one podcast. I hope so. Whatever, you get, whatever it takes to get you to listen. I don't want to listen to it. You're beautiful. You can talk. I don't want to listen to my talking. You talk. You do it. You do it a lot. I know I do it a lot. I don't need to listen to it more. <laughs> I don't need to know what I said. The only person you are destined to become is the person you decide to be. Ralph Waldo Emerson. Who's that? Speaking of dopamine, like we were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. I wrote so something down here that if you do things and reinforce them with the dopamine hits, then it can cause the cravings to occur earlier and earlier to where even just the example of driving by your favorite fast food restaurant can give you that rush of dopamine, which makes you do it again. Like it can get to a point where visual stimuli or other things can cause you to have the dopamine released in your head hmm. and that partially satiates you already. And then if you do it, then it really satiates it, really reinforces it. It's like doubling down on a dopamine hit for something. So is that, behavior. is that negative or positive? Depends on what it is, I guess. Because I, I could see I mean, you using... overeating is definitely... Yeah, I certainly have that happen to me. Yeah, and I can see you using that as an advantage, like going to a donut shop and enjoying the smell and everything, and then if you're able to just leave. But man, that is playing with the devil. Mm -hmm. That is fucking playing with some dark shit right there because you get me in a donut shop. <laughs> oh, I'm getting a donut. Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm getting a dozen donuts. Yeah, of course. I know we have different donut tastes. Do we? Do we have different donut? What's you, your donut taste? You like tastes? just a glazed donut, right? That's my favorite donut, but that's not the only donut I, think my I like. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, like, of course, all donuts are, not all donuts, but a lot of donuts are great. But my favorite donut is like a, a glazed, like a chocolate glazed or... Like a Bavarian cream? Ooh, yeah. That's delicious. Bavarian creams are very delicious. Delicious. Yeah, that's a great choice. Um... Yeah, either. Yeah, that's actually a perfect choice. Mm. Here's why I don't say it's my favorite. This is why I, I will always say a glazed donut is my favorite. You can only judge a place by its glazed donut. The glazed donut tells you everything you need to know. The glazed donut tells you the glaze of the donut, tells you the density of the donut, tells you how filling, how sweet a donut will be. If a cream might be a little too much sweetness, it is the donut to judge all other donuts on. And yeah. that's why it's my favorite. Agreed. It's a good point. I love a, oh God, I could go for a fucking donut. Too bad there's no donut shops in this shithole town. There's two great ones. No, there's not. <laughs> you gotta move to Charlotte for those to happen, buddy. I mean, yeah, self-control is helpful when it comes to not binge eating donuts. It is. It is. I'm working on that. I eat donuts way less than I used to. Really? Yeah. I, I maybe have them once a week. Mm. I used to have them like four times a week. It's not like you don't have no self-control with your fucking Reese's cups. <laughs> That's total instant gratification. Definitely is. But you know what I know about instant gratification? It definitely dulls. For example, cigarettes. I got into cigarettes for a very short period of time. I only went through one pack. So obviously I couldn't do it that long. But that first cigarette is so good. You know what I mean? Like the feeling from it, the taste, everything about that first cigarette. Everything is so good. But by that last cigarette, you're dreading it. <laughs> like you still do it, but it is not fun. Like you sit outside with your cigarette and you're like, can't wait to feel sick again. Oh yeah. And then you go to the bathroom it. feeling like you're going to puke. Yeah. And then you light it up. You suck it down. You slowly feel your brain hurting. Everything about your body starts hurting. You feel like shit. You feel like you smell bad. You feel your breath in your mouth. And yeah. then you walk to the bathroom about to puke. You sit down on the toilet, have a terrible shit. Like it's horrible. Yeah. But God, you're craving that next one. That is exactly what was happening to me also. At the same time you told me your horrible story this morning or earlier today. <laughs> Wait, what was happening? Oh, just those feelings? No, nicotine sickness. Oh, nicotine sickness. Yeah. Wow, so I really... The pouch hit me at the same time as your story, <laughs> and it weakened me. That's why I got so pale and like was like uh, trying uh, to cool my face off because I felt like I was getting super hot. It's a, nicotine is a weird one where it really is a 
it's a horrible feeling. Yeah, I mean, even people I know that do Zen pouches also also experience the same feeling, like where it's a shit. Yeah, just extreme shittiness and nausea and stuff. And you don't want to do anything. Like the last thing you want to do is go clean the dishes. Oh yeah, fuck no. But for some reason, an hour later, the only thing your mind is on right in that moment is like, I got to get another pouch in. Yeah, I know. <laughs> or for you, a beer. <laughs> yeah, but beer only makes me feel shitty after like the 17th yeah, I love when he puked the other day. That was great. Even just hearing about it. Made I me did. glad. I made myself puke. Oh, well, that's less enjoyable, but... You know. I went into my... I came back, I went into my bathroom, and my stomach just hurt so bad, and I knew I was going to puke. Yeah. Like, I didn't know how long. Maybe if I ate something, I could have kept it down. But I gave up. I mentally gave up. I walked in the bathroom. I put two fingers down my throat. I started fucking fingering my throat. And <laughs> It actually wasn't fast. I started drooling first. Mm, like you yeah. know you get that throw up drool and then I threw up and then I threw up two more times and then I felt so much better <laughs> that's hilarious that is a bad example of self control yeah it is because I was going to have one beer that night hmm. and I did not have one beer that night good <laughs> you know I think now is a good time then to talk about or well no no I think now is a good time then to talk about some of the negative aspects of self-control and play devil's advocate to it. The negative aspects of self-control. Yeah, I, was, I wasn't able to find a lot, <laughs> but you know, in excess, anything can be a problem. So I found a small but growing body of research on the negative aspects of self-control. Okay. I have links to these two, all of the information I've found in the show notes. So, uh, I kind of do feel like these are a bit of a reach. Some of, okay. them, some of them could be a bit of a reach. Uh, we'll discuss them thoroughly. But yeah, I think there could be some legitimate bearing on it, possibly. Obviously, anything in excess is detriment. So even if it's good for you, it can become too much. Yeah. So a couple things. Self, We'll talk about them one by one, I guess. Eh? Mm-hmm. You mention them, we'll discuss it, move yeah. on to the next. Self-control can restrict emotional experiences. Okay, yeah, that's true. Yep. If they, you have a bunch of self-control, you don't want to like, and you're like, I can't drink, you might not go out with your friends for a year and a half. You might miss out on a bunch of great experiences. Yeah. Okay. Like, because they experience less tempting desires or perhaps <laughs> less intense emotional experiences... They respond to situations in more neutral ways, and that can prevent people from enjoying positive experiences, like going out to the bar with friends and such. I experience this problem. You do. Because I, for one, do not experience fully intense emotional experiences. It takes a lot for me to have a pretty intense emotional experience. That's why my entire life's a joke. Because <laughs> that's funnier. I mean, you know, high levels of self-control can be like perceived as a lack of warmth as well yeah you cancel everything on everyone so yeah. you can get your project done yeah makes you seem like a robot selfish yeah yeah which i'm all those things no you're very loving and I'm giving. very generous to my friends you are i'll give you that wait till i spend a fifteen thousand dollars on you for one gift in the future i'll throw it away <laughs> i'm sure you would and there's the asshole coming out yeah yeah okay second okay. one Self-control can lead to long-term regret. It only emerges, though, after significant time has passed, and it can result in sadness for missing out on those experiences. Yeah. What's the saying? Fucking... You only live once. <laughs> fear of missing out or whatever. FOMO. FOMO. Yeah. yeah. I guess it, it could definitely cause regret. Like, if, you, if I ended up missing the Joey Diaz concert to do work to save up more money, but then he dies, and I could never get that experience back... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I could see that. Being way too self-control, it could definitely leave you out on great experiences. Yeah. And then in the end, when you know you retire or whatever, you look back on things that you missed out on to achieve something that you are less satisfied with than you initially presumed, I guess. Yeah. Which I could totally see happening to me, even, if I'm not careful. I think Which is why I want to, that's why I don't believe in the retirement thing. And that's why I want to do the mini retirements. Miniature. 
Yeah. Min, many miniature retirements. I do want to retire one day, but that's just because I think I'll be well, yeah, of too course, old to do things. Of course I'll retire at that point. Like officially pull out a retirement account and stuff. I feel like, you, no, I, I don't ever see you retire. I see you blowing your head off with a shotgun. Am I wrong? Like you make I, it. I want to say no. You make it to 70. You can fully retire. Stop doing things. You have millions of dollars, but you, you cannot work. You have like Parkinson's. You're always yeah, I shaking. Would. I would. <laughs> you're right. I know I you would. would. But not if everything's going well and I'm like fit and healthy. Well, you wouldn't stop working then. Correct. But I would retire. I'll, I'll never stop working. No. That's but what I, I'm saying. You you get too old to work. Yes. That's just death for me. Exactly. There is nothing past that. That's not death for me. Retirement for me is taking time off from whatever other people consider work. Because I do not... I find it a fundamental fallacy that work and... Or that work is synonymous with something that you don't want to do. Yeah, I don't think that's true. I love my work. I know, but I think way too many people view it that way, even subconsciously. That work can't be something fun. Work has to be some sort of miserable job placed upon you by someone else, and otherwise it's not work. Oh, yeah. Which I fundamentally disagree on. I think anything can be work, and I think that it is most important that you should enjoy it rather than the opposite way. Yeah, my buddy at work... Hopefully we'll have them on the podcast one day. We um, will. We talk all the time about how we'll walk through work and then everyone we pass just looks dreadful and drab and sad. And then we're walking around like spunky, fucking having a good time, making jokes, laughing at people, trying to make other people laugh because <laughs> we love it there. Like we heavily enjoy it, but there's definitely a lot of people that they can, you could tell that they hate their lives. Yeah. And it's the sunk cost And I hate fallacy. that for them. I hate it for them too. Because they got trapped in something. Yeah, because I hate. see the I see a way out. Because they've been trapped in that mindset that yeah. they're that they're the that they have fallacy. no choice. Yeah, they or yeah or that, that that they've invested too much time and that they can't get out because they are at a certain age or whatever. But I mean, you know, at the same time that I do feel bad for them, I almost have no sympathy either because as we've talked about before, we have an infinite resources at our fingertips. There's no excuse for anything at this point in history. Solving a problem is as simple as searching for the answer. And I think the real defining factor is the people that are willing to search versus the people that are merely complacent. There's well, nothing inherently wrong with it if they are complacent with it because it simply just means that they don't care enough to actually do whatever it is. They might not understand that they don't care enough, which I do feel bad for them about again because... It's unfortunate if they're deluding themselves into thinking they want something, but they don't actually want it. They merely assume that they want it or the illusion of it on the outside because the grass is always greener or whatever. I think that can be true about anything, though. What do you mean? Of, about wants. You might not actually want it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're self-deluding. Yeah. Like they, I think they everyone think they can do it. that to a point. What, self-delusion? Of course. Yeah. To where, like, you think this is what you want, and then you get to a certain point, and you're like, oh, this is fucking horrible. Yeah, and that's why objectivity is so important. Because if you're not, like, you need to be to a point where you're familiar with yourself and your own wants, and be able to actually analyze, like, if you really want it. Like, I've had to do that with studio stuff a lot. Like, thinking about, like, am I willing to make the sacrifice for this? Like, actually. Like, to sit and think about, like, am I really willing to do what it takes? I forget who it is, but it's some self-help dude. And he always, he calls things, he, he asks people if they have dumb dreams. Yeah. And they're like, what's a dumb dream? And he's like, it's a dream you have and you're not willing to put the work to achieve the dream. Like, that's just a dumb dream. And if you have a dumb dream, you just need to get rid of it. I agree. I fully agree. I should find out who that is. And that only comes with, you know, self-analysis. Yeah. Which before I was preaching about objectivity, it was preaching about self-awareness. And I feel like maybe objectivity goes over way more harshly. I think using the term objectivity gets associated with nihilism or something or with a more negative aspect of rigidity. But I think self-awareness might be a more usable term to discuss with people. Would Better you agree? connotation, yeah. Yeah. I think self-awareness is the most crucial aspect, which I would consider essentially synonymous with objectivity. Because it means being aware of yourself and not biased against things, which is the definition of objectivity, 
without bias? I think it's like all apples are fruit, but not all fruits are apples. Like all self, all real self-awareness is objectivity, but there's other parts to objectivity than, um, than self-awareness. Yeah, of course. Um, but I think that's like probably the most important part is self-awareness. I think it needs to start with yourself before you can outwardly change anything. Mm -hmm. Otherwise it's either lying or hypocrisy. You know, it's either false or it's misguided. What's false or misguided? The information. Like if someone's talking about these things, but they don't act on it, or if the information is just simply false and they still spread it, like those two. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you enjoying this podcast? We fucking know you are. I'm sure they could enjoy it even more, though. <sighs> All right, you negative asshole. I'm sure our lovely audience could enjoy it more by checking out our Patreon page. Ah, yes. Well, look at you solving problems. We've got multiple tiers to choose from, so there's not really any financial pressure. Thank you for that. And uh, whether it be <laughs> early access to episodes, bonus content, exclusive Patreon-only merch, or just listening to Ben and I ramble about the different types of orifices in the human body, our Patreon has a large variety of special content for very special people. Plenty of rambling. And don't forget, you rambling asshole, that that's far from all we're offering. We are creating video and audio comedy bits for TikTok and everything. Fuck TikTok. Fuck TikTok. Giving access to behind-the-scenes content and occasionally bringing on the coolest fucking guests ever, amongst many other things. To check all of this out, go to patreon.com slash the real devil's advocate podcast. Again, that is patreon.com slash the real devil's advocate podcast and maybe ben if you weren't such a disgusting pothead you would have remembered to say that not only do we have patreon exclusive merch but we also sell a shit ton of merch to our general audience on our website yeah no maybe i should have remembered that because that is the best way that you can support us aside from subscribing to our patreon but you can check all of that out on our website which is www.therealdevilsadvocatepodcast.com and find us on any of our social media platforms or streaming platforms with the tag the real devil's advocate podcast and again that is https colon forward slash forward slash www.thereal dot com. jesus autism <laughs> but i fully agree that dumb dreams should be let go if you can objectively look at it but first that does come with the self-awareness like you need to be capable of discerning whether or not you actually want something and are willing to put in the work and that can be done with you know game planning or brainstorming yeah. which we talked about it helps to have those thoughts expressed and dictated and to have a plan where you do set deadlines for yourself and you hold yourself accountable which is self-control so that is something i had to do with my studio business because, like I've talked about before, the people that succeed are the people that do it and that don't have that plan B and that know that that is their option. Like, that if they don't succeed, other people are going to take that spot. So it's either them or someone else. And that can be a way to source motivation. But me knowing that about those people, I had to sit down and analyze my own desires. Like, what actually made me happy and then plan out how I was going to achieve it Be, and really think about it's like, for example, last year there was an internship for a recording studio job in Sweden and I applied for it. And had I gotten that internship, I would have had to move to Sweden within a month, probably leave all my stuff here, sleep on a couch or something for several months until I figured out how to get my stuff sent over. And that was a thing I was willing to do because in order to take such a game-changing step and actually pursue a goal, that would be the sacrifice that was necessary. And I could either simply not put my hand in the basket and let someone else 100% take the job, or I could throw my hand in and at least try. And so I did with full knowledge and understanding that if I did get it on the off chance that a severe sacrifice would be necessary. 
And that I think that is true for many things. Oh, yeah. That, I think that almost, knowing whether or not you're capable or willing to put in the work or sacrifice for something if you actually want it is crucial to not delude yourself into thinking you want something that you merely like the idea of. I've heard um, I've heard this a lot. I, I can't say exactly who because I think it's an amalgamation. Amalgam. Yeah. Is it amalgamation? Mm-hmm. Of a lot of different ideas where it's self-growth there is zero self-growth without sacrifice yeah all self-growth hurts getting better in any sense will hurt you you will have to sacrifice something and that's part of the growth it's killing the old part of you that enjoyed that enjoyed something to then become a better person for example if i wanted to give up alcohol i would have to kill that part of me and it would kill me it really deeply hurt me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I would then not be an alcoholic. And although some would say that's worth it, I, I say it's not. Um, not yet, at least. Yeah, not until you have like a liver transplant. Even then, fucking, that means I have a whole nother liver. Oh my God, that is the most up. alcoholic, least <laughs> self-controlled shit I've ever heard. If I get a liver transplant... I have a whole new healthy liver to start from I hope you get like cirrhosis one. of the liver and are in a wheelchair and can't walk because of it. You know what I'll still be doing? Drinking. I know. You, you can drink. drink sit. I only drink sitting down, really. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're going to die from alcohol one day? I'm not. Oh my God. But for my money example that we said earlier, mm-hmm. the part of me that I have to like sacrifice and that will hurt is like the expedient niceties of knowing that if I wake up late, I can go to McDonald's and get breakfast and a coffee. Yeah, of course. Versus knowing if I really need to save money, I wake up late, I don't have that option. Yeah, of course. I simply do, don't eat breakfast. Yeah, and that's where the self-control of waking up comes from. Yes. And to maintain. To maintain going to sleep at a, at a certain time, having the strength to get up earlier, killing, like sacrificing the, the nicety of being able to just sleep yeah. Until you feel awake enough to get up versus then just waking up. Which I'm terrible with also. Waking up is the, I forget who said it, but I, I know someone back like in my self-help kick, someone said the most important thing you can do is learn how to wake up. I think it might've been Jordan Peterson, mm. but he's like, the most important thing you could do for yourself is learn to wake up. Like you wake up and then you get up. You don't wake up and sit on your phone or wake up and go back to sleep. Yeah. You wake up and then get up and immediately start your day. Yeah. I fully agree with that. Earlier is better. 5 a.m. club. I'm I'm a four type of guy. I like to get up very early. I get up. I know you get up around the same time. Yeah. And all my, all, everyone in my circle also gets up between four and five as well. However, I don't, this is one bad thing. Let's say I wake up at 430. I usually don't get out of bed till like five. Yeah, I do need to work on that. Like, yeah. I really want to work on waking up and getting up. I had a better routine when I w- had my own place. Yeah, and it will be better once I do again. Infinitely. You used to take cold showers, right? Mm-hmm. You still do that? No. Need to. I want to try, but I'm. I. I uh, it sucks. Don't start in the winter then. Yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> Don't start in the winter. That's a terrible. Mm. Take especially with this freezing house. Yeah, Yeah, not a good idea. (laughs) Take a freezing shower to get out in my sixty degree house to leave in the fifty degree weather to get in my car that's thirty degrees from the night. Yeah, you definitely want the room to be warmer than the shower because that's part of the dichotomy is feeling the warm air on your skin. And one of the cool things with the self control of doing the cold showers is taking that time to as that ice fucking water is hitting you to breathe to sit there well breathing yes but not overdoing it but to think about how the water feels on your skin and think about it like rationally like is this water going to kill me right now you know you have that immediate fight or flight response and your body's telling you get the fuck out of this this is pointless but, and, I mean, if you have it for long enough, there, it will kill you. Yeah. So but, it's like, but a shower is not going to kill. You. No, it's just the. I think it's your body reacting to like, if we keep in this, you yeah. will die, and yeah. you have to override your body. Yeah. And you can. You can. You absolutely can. You can ch- simply choose like, okay, this is horrifically cold, but what does that cold feel like on my arm? How does my hand feel right now? 
what does it feel like on my back? And you, and you can move around as you're breathing and you can simply try to focus on the, your perception of those sensations as they're occurring rather than the primal instinct that says elude this pain right now. Cause you can, you can objectively sit there and tell yourself like it is just water. I'm standing in a shower in a safe environment and I have control over this dial. How far can I push myself into something that's not actually painful, but is merely a sensation that I can overpower with self-control. And there are and massive, massive benefits. Oh yeah. The cold showers and I know ice baths are have been a big thing lately. But there it, are it gets to a point where you do it enough that your body can handle more and more and more. Yeah. For example, the drummer from Periphery, Matt Halpern, is a big proponent of this stuff. And he's gotten to a point where he ended up buying a commercial ice machine to keep in his house so that he can and he built a barrel that he could like get into with the ice and it's to the point now where it's almost it wasn't like he couldn't get enough ice in there to get it cold enough for him and sit in the bath like and he would just go longer and longer but the heat that his body would generate would melt the ice faster and faster every time and so it got to the point where he had to get a commercial ice machine to be able to generate enough ice to do it do you think it would melt faster or do you think he just was used to it to the point where it affected him less mentally? I think it was melting faster because he was able to, it gets to a point where you're able to consciously direct the flow of blood to your hands and your extremities. And that's how that Wim Hof guy hikes those mountains with like no clothes and shit. Oh, he actually does that? That's not a... F- he does, this is where he, Matt Halpern learned these things from is Wim Hof. Oh. I thought you were saying he was a scam earlier. No, no. Like he was a scam. And no. Then, oh, oh. He actually does that shit? Yeah. He, Mount Everest? I don't know if it's Mount Everest, but he oh, okay. hiked some fucking ice mountain. Like, he's known as the Iceman. I know a different Iceman. I don't want to know what you're talking about. You don't? Are nope. you sure? Yep, 100%. He was a, uh, the Iceman I know was a, a mafia killer. Nice. Yeah. What did he do? Well, he was famous because his, his friend owned a Mr. Softies. You know what that is? Mr. Softies is an old ice cream truck Hmm. and he would kill people and bring them in there and freeze the body in one of the freezers and then he'd hack it up. Iceman. He killed a bunch of people. I've heard of that. The Iceman Killer. Mm -hmm. Ah. Great movie, by the way. You know the guy that plays a villain in Superman that has no upper lip? Nope. Sure, though. Man of Steel. Yeah, I guess. You don't know. No, I have no fucking idea. It's this skinny guy. The skinny white guy has no upper lip. And I mean, he does, but he's white, but he doesn't. He doesn't. Fantastic movie, by the way. Fantastic movie. You need to watch it. It is a great movie. Uh, Richard Kuklin, Richard Kuklinski was Mm. the actual guy's name. Mm. But yeah, Uh, back to not. But yeah, Wim Hof. He uh, can like, that's essentially what he does after years of practice is he's able to regulate his body temperature better through the breathing and in the end keep his extremities warm in the cold by consciously thinking about directing his blood to his hands. And whether or not it's placebo or whatever it is, it, it allows him to endure this cold. Yeah. And the and the method is practiced by lots of other people successfully as well. But also now, there heard- are things like warnings like you should not just get in a shower and start with a fucking ice cold shower. But you should not just get into a bathtub filled with ice and try to fucking sit in it for 10 straight minutes. Like, it can hurt you. And especially if you're doing the breathing exercises at the same time where you are getting so much oxygen that you feel lightheaded, like you're about to pass out. Pairing that with the cold, you can ser- you could faint and seriously fucking hurt yourself. So That could be a negative of self-control. So, so it's, a, it's a point of building yourself up to that setting smaller goals and working your way up to that point like it's not something you want to start out all of a sudden like it that would it would just be a very bad idea and anyone that has done it successfully would tell you that too and it's not necessarily a fun thing but it gets to a point where it becomes a relief yeah where it's like you you can get home and you they can't wait to get in the ice bath i can't imagine that i can't either but that's because i haven't done it long enough or found that benefit yet 
I can't imagine it because usually when I hear vice baths, it's from people that do it, but they still say it sucks. Yeah. They're like, no, it 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 does still suck, but I just can handle that way better than I yeah. used to because I'm, I'm, I'm used to it now. Yeah. But it does have massive benefits. Like I heard that, um, and you can look this up if you want, because I'm, but I'm pretty sure because I heard it like a week ago. Uh, having an ice bath for like 21 minutes per week increases your overall dopamine levels hmm. or some shit like that. I believe it. it. Same with heat treatment too. It definitely saunas. awakens you more. Yeah. But oh both, yeah, saunas. Both do. And Matt Halpern is a big proponent of that too. Also a big sh- a shout out to his podcast for just talking about like productivity and self-help type of stuff like this, which is called Chocolate Croissants. Great podcast. I have to check it out. Chocolate it, Croissants. Yeah, it's him... Another guy and a licensed like psychologist or something. Have they, you ever, they just have, talk. Have you ever been to a sauna? No. Never? Mm-mm. We need to go. Yeah. I saunas. love saunas. Oh yeah. It's let's do it. There there's a smell of a sauna. I'm thinking of ones from Colorado that were mostly wooden. Yeah. So that's what this, he built, Matt Halpern. He uh, built like a, a, a wood and fired with like stone heated yes, dude, sauna in his there, at his house. <laughs> here's here's my thing. I will say I prefer Badass. cold over hot. Yeah, but I ex- I definitely prefer extreme hot over extreme cold. Oh yeah, definitely. Does that agree make sense? That. Yep. So agree. like, I'd rather be in forty degree weather than a hundred degree weather, but I'd rather be in a hundred and twenty degree weather than negative twenty. Yeah, agreed. Any day of the fucking agreed, a hundred percent. Because saunas are really relaxing. I mean, like they kind of suck because it is fucking hot as shit. Yeah, but. We need to go to a sauna. Agreed. I can't believe you've never been. <laughs> okay, so getting back to the list of yeah. negative aspects then. So number three, self-control can lead to increased workloads because people tend to rely on those individuals and like pass this burden onto them. And so that can stress them out, I think. Yeah, and you, that can cause like a, a mental break, a mental lapse. Yeah, where you or, get overworked and burnt out. Yeah, and then like your biggest fear, the rubber band ball. You've built this rubber band ball and now it's huge and you're completely drained and you have no motive or you just like, you feel stuck. You feel yep. encumbered and you've taken on too much and you have a lot of self-control. And now you're so far into it too. Yeah. That there's no like, yeah, it, yeah. I could see it being bad in that case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your rubber band ball is self-control is the negative side of self-control. Yeah. In well, a way. Yeah. Of well, yeah, more like of allowing things to build up too much and not yeah. having enough self control or something along that line. It could be all of them. It's that feeling of overwhelm. Yeah. Uh, number four, self control can be used for ill. They said, although these people are less likely to engage in illegal activity, that is, people with higher levels of self control. If they do, they're less likely to be caught. You. Yeah, I know. I when know. you murder me. Yeah, you're right. If you do murder me, I really hope you get caught. Don't say that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Does that hurt your feelings? Yes. That's so mean. <laughs> this is why I say you're mean. See what I mean? How audience? is that mean? How is this that is mean? why Alex was an asshole. Uh, I guess I see, that one does seem a little bit of a stretch. I guess I see it, but like... Yeah, I mean, you know, they're just kind of making shit up. They have to find a point. They're, so. good, what it, they're good at what they do. You know, here's, they're here's good one. criminals. Here's one, maybe. It can cause people to feel alienated and less satisfied with themselves as it makes them feel they are suppressing their true self. Okay. I can see that. I can see it, yeah. Where you're you're suppressing yourself for who you want to be, but who you want to be might not like it just might not be you. Might who just you be are. a wild motherfucker. Yeah. Which I pity them. Or it's not true imagine. to who you are. Yeah. Can't imagine. What do you mean? I, mean, I, don't, I don't really know if self-control is true for anybody, though. I think it's something that you... It's a skill you have to, you have to yeah. develop and hone it over you know, the course of experiences causing you to do that. Well, I think it, what it's talking about is it could be like you you have this self-control and you have this false sense of this will turn me into a different person. And then you might feel astray from who you actually are. Yeah. Because you're not ingraining it in yourself. You're trying to completely reinvent yourself in every way. Yeah. And that's why you shouldn't try to take on like a bunch of tasks at once. Because no. if you try to take on all of them at once, you will get that overwhelmed, burnt out feeling and you'll give up faster. Yeah. So it's sm- starting with small things and incrementally adding on to it 
it, I think, is the best way. Incorporate one thing into your life at a time. Yeah, don't just bulldoze a fucking house full of bricks of shit to do. Yeah. What other negatives do you have? That's it, honestly. Oh, that's it? Yeah. You know, so to recap, if you delay the gratification of watching TV and getting your homework done, then you'll get better grades. If you delay the gratification of buying, you know, junk food at the gas station, then you can eat healthier when you get home for less. If you delay the gratification of finishing your workout early and put in a few more reps or keep running for a longer period of time, then you'll get stronger, you'll be healthier, and you'll end up feeling better at the end. So amongst other things, all of those other educational and life achievements that we listed as benefits for having self-control and delaying instant gratification for a future time. And reward yourself for when you you hit the small goals that are incremental to your big ones. That way you reaffirm in your mind that doing it has a positive result. Don't hesitate to spoil yourself if you would deserve it. Like, Well, do, yeah, not if you deserve it. Yeah, if you work for something, yeah, don't spoil yourself until you deserve it. And when you do, make the rewards actually count so that it's something that you want to continue striving for. Yeah, if you if you go on a really nice diet, and I hate the like idea of a diet, like a two month diet. Yeah, I think a diet is like something you work at. Yeah, but let's say you set a general diet to lose some weight. At the end of that, like, let's say over this diet you've lost four thousand calories. Get a steak. Enjoy your steak. If you stuck to the strict like brown rice and chicken, yeah, every meal. For fucking three months, go get a steak. Yeah, agreed. go get a steak. You'll love it, and you earned it because if you didn't do it in the beginning, you would have had steak seventeen times. Yep, that's like with sober October. Although I did fail, even and I know I've talked about this before, but even though I did fail sober October, that doesn't mean I just gave up. Yeah, like I failed, and then I kept like being like, all right, well, I have to keep trying to still not drink alcohol. Just because I drank it tonight doesn't mean I can drink it every other night for the rest of this yeah. month. Yeah, definitely. You did exercise self-control in a way. I did. Because a lot of people, if they give in up on something- In an inverted way, yes. you did still. In a, in mostly. You know, almost entirely. Because a lot of people, if they set a goal, that's another important thing we didn't delve too much into. But if you set a goal for self-control and you fail it, that doesn't mean you can- you. That doesn't mean you need to just completely stop trying to have self-control. No. It just means either you gave into your impulses too early or you overestimated what you can do. Yeah. You need to be objective and potentially compassionate with yourself if you don't miss goals. Like, it's not the end of the world because there is another time you can continue to hone that. Yeah. As soon as you get drunk one night, like if you're giving up alcohol, you get drunk, the next day you can start to be sober again. Like yeah. it, you don't have to just st- start being an alcoholic now. Yeah, like you the disappointment's once. natural, but that part, the self control comes from being able to recognize that problem, whatever it may be. If it's an impulse that you have pr- tr- trouble controlling, then controlling that impulse is like the first step, and it's something you can do continually. Yeah, and let's say you go 15 days without alcohol or whatever it is for that matter, whatever you're struggling with, and you relapse. Try to go 16 days. Try to go another 15 days because at the end of it. You've drank a hundred times less than you would have yeah. if you just gave up that first time. Yeah, very true. You know what I do want to do for just the end of this real quick? What? We're preaching about self-control. I want us to open up to our lovely audience of cocksuckers <laughs> and <laughs> tell them what we need to work on for self-control. Nicotine and weed. Money. I need to work on nothing. <laughs> no, I need to work. <laughs> I need to work on money big time. I need to work on nicotine and I need to work on exercise. Yeah, my diet. I also agree with that. I need to get a better diet and maybe exercise too. My diet. Just health in general. Yeah, health in general. Can't think of anything else. I need to exercise. You know, there's, I feel like there's one I'm missing. Hmm, maybe if I. Give it a think. Ah, uh, alcohol, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe you do need to control that a little bit. I control it very well. Hmm. I control it just to yeah, my liking. You control liking. every single beer that goes down your throat. You're right. All 15 every day. <laughs> I'm, not, I don't, I'm not that bad a drinker. Not yet, I know. But I do need to control it to not become bad. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's the next step. <laughs> 
So yeah, alcohol, uh, food, and like eating out. I'm really bad about eating out, going to buy food. Yeah. Cooking, Same. health in general, working out, and money's probably my biggest one. And on this podcast, I kind of set up a plan. So my plan for this is I'm going to find out what I usually spend a week, excluding the month of December, because I know it's been way higher. Find what I normally spend, cut it in three quarters or a half, whatever I think is viable to still live off of. And then that's what I'm going to live on for a week. And then at the end of that week, I'll use half of what I saved to ball out a little bit. Nice. And then I'll continuously do that and see if I could go two weeks and then still use the same amount of money. So like, let's say I saved overall $50. Yeah. I'll spend $25 for two weeks. I've saved a hundred dollars, but I'm still just going to spend that 25 because that 25 is the reward. Yeah. So that's my goal for we're rolling into the month of January. Um, it's December 18th. So I, I do still have to wait a little bit for gifts and shit. Yeah. And keep setting new goals too. Yes. So that way you don't hit it and then be like, what now? Yeah. Once I'm good with my money, my next goal, well, actually starting January 1st, like almost every other American that's going to fail is health. Cause my friend and I have a pack to go to the gym together. Um, in which I will have to be getting it to the gym at like 4.30 in the morning. So we'll yeah. see how that works out. Good. And then after health, if I'm able to sustain that for any period of time, I don't know. I guess I should probably alcohol. Yeah. I'll do nicotine first. Yeah, that's a good one. Because let's be honest, I am more addicted to nicotine considering I gave up day two of so October for yeah. nicotine. Yeah. It's a hard one. It's a horrible one. I understand completely now when you meet cigarette smokers as a kid and they're like, never do this. Do not do this. I get it. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, but you're doing it right now. And they're like, yeah, and I feel like shit. And you're like, why are you doing it? And they're like, I don't know. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> Like, it's that. a weird thing to experience. I know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because like, you need it. You need it right until you're <laughs> doing it. And then once you're doing it, you're like, fuck, I knew this would happen. I yeah. knew I was going to feel like shit. Yeah, True. Anything else? Um, brown discharge. Well, that wraps up this episode perfectly then. <laughs> Concluded where we left off. Exactly. It's a full circle. Yep. See you next week. I'll see you next week.